You're listening to the voice of Rowan Prof Sports. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, Connor Brown. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. And you're tuned into another episode of Offsides Art Professional. Wow. It's been a long day, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, been up since about 6 a.m. But this is our professional sports talk podcast here at Rowan Radio. Today I'm joined by Aaron Hook and Nick Carlson for this Friday, February 17th edition. How's everyone doing today? Good. I'm doing pretty I'm doing well, pretty Nick well. is dressed for the weather out. Yeah. Me and Aaron pulled up That's here brutal. together, and he's in slides and shorts, and it's raining. Out. Well, I had the, I had the, you know, the meeting fit on, which is like, you know, you roll up for an hour, and then you just kind of do whatever, go right back to the dorm, and then go back to bed, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was expecting to do, but you know, Connor begged me to come on offside, so I was All like, right. you know, I might as well. It wasn't really a beg. It, it was more <laughs> of Danny got in front of everyone and asked. It was a plea. Know. It was a plea. It, it, you know, I, I didn't <laughs> ask Danny to do that, and then I came over to you guys and. I don't know. Nick was looking at me like he really wanted to come on. And I, I, I didn't want to, you know, waste his Friday. So I was in a weird spot because Aaron was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And I was like, "I never try, you know, I never force anyone to come on." So I appreciate you guys being here once again, and uh, we have a lot to talk about. Um, even with the NFL season, you know, being over, there's a lot of headlines still circulating, especially quarterbacks potentially moving from, you know, conference to conference. Uh, some free agent quarterback news too, specifically with the Jets. Uh, but before we get to that specific uh, Jet quarterback uh, relation, that it, there's already going to be a, a sit down um, for that. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, and uh, he is starting his darkness retreat uh, today. He's going to be in total silence for I believe it's about a week long, and after that, he's going to come out of it uh, with a clear decision, uh, allegedly. At least this is what um, the trip is supposed to be about. Um, the Packers today, too, brought back Aaron Jones on a restructured deal. Uh, they got it back down to about $11 million, uh, per year. So I'm just kind of curious what you think Aaron Rodgers should do after he comes back from his slumber with darkness. Uh, well, I don't think he's going back to the Packers. I, I got a report at 4.30 uh, from JPA saying that, quote, they are disgusted with him, they're done with him. So he's not going back to the Packers. They're probably going to kind of take it with Jordan Love. I think that, for the most part, he's got decisions to think about because what team really wouldn't want Aaron Rodgers? I, the Jets would take him. The Saints, the Raiders. Uh, you go down the list, I think that the Colts would take him as well. I don't know if the Colts kind of want to make that decision of another kind of just kind of sale of a quarterback who's going to be there for a year or so. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's 38. He still has a couple of good years left in him. So he can really go wherever he wants. It's just he has to get out of that darkness retreat. Aaron, what would you think if he ended up being the Jets quarterback? I, I I think I was talking about this um, on the Wednesday edition of Offsides when I was hosting. Uh, like looking at the three guys that have really been kind of most closely um, tied to the Jets this offseason, and three quarterbacks. You have Lamar Jackson, um, who is obviously looking for a ton of money. Um, Aaron Rodgers, we know what the deal is with him, and then Derek Carr, who the Jets met with. Today, the Saints met with him earlier in the week. Um, so, for me, Carr would kind of be the safest option. You don't have to pay him the type of money like a Rodgers or a Jackson, but you get a good quarterback. And that, that was the conversation with the Jets last year is that the defense was good enough to the point where if they just had literally lead average quarterback play, you probably make the playoffs because they were 7-4 and four at one point, uh, and then they just fell apart losing six in a row to end the year. So, for me, Rodgers is like just uh, in terms of like cars, the safest option. I think Lamar would be the most fun because you really don't know what you get from him. He's been a little bit injury prone. He hasn't performed in the playoffs, but he's obviously a, a special player, dynamic player. Um, 
But Aaron Rodgers, I think, puts the Jets' ceiling at, at the highest of the three guys because he, in that offense, um, has just so many weapons uh, with Garrett Wilson, with Elijah Moore, who they're still trying to like fully unlock. You got the two tight ends who they signed last offseason. So I think Rodgers would be probably the best fit for this offense because you know Nathaniel Hackett is their offensive coordinator now. He was his OC in Green Bay. I think it's kind of like a match made in heaven. So the conversation is, do the Jets wait for Rodgers to come out of this whatever he's doing where he's staying in darkness for, like, like you said, a week or something, just yes, trying to – self-isolation. I Yeah, he's he's a strange dude, but really good at football. So a quarterback. <laughs> so, like, do they wait for him to make this decision or do they just go after Carr? Um, because you figure either way you're probably going to be a playoff team with either of those guys. But, again, is it worth – raising the ceiling to take the risk of maybe you lose out on Carr and Rodgers. What if you lose out on all of them? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And do then you, Do you draft a quarterback? Do you have another Zach Wilson I, I just Jimmy G would then become kind of the default option. Because I'm thinking like if Stroud somehow makes it past five, uh, then you open the doors of a potential trade-off. Right? Do you take Anthony Richardson? Do you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, even if Levis could slip to 13 yeah, maybe, and, but... But, like, even when you're getting to that spot... I don't or, think you want to restart, though, if you're the Jets. Because yeah, you're in a position yeah. now outside of QB to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, like, you're going to be drafting that position for Will, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, who I both really like as prospects early on. Mm -hmm. But they're going to be developmental projects. Yeah. And you don't want to have two if you're still somehow committed to Zach Wilson. I just don't know how much it is worth for the Jets to not try to raise the ceiling now and, you know, aiming lower. I've heard of them also connected to Tannehill, uh, like a Tannehill car level guy. Like, mm -hmm. why? Like I don't know, if, why would you settle for that when potentially you could get Jackson or Rodgers? I mean, Rodgers is older. It's just kind of – don't you always just want to elevate the quarterback position in the NFL instead right. of trying to take these good but not mm -hmm. stellar guys and we've seen it over the past few years in the super bowl it's been the elite guys burrow and you know mahomes burrow and brady uh obviously this year hurts with mahomes those two guys have been the, you know two of the top five quarterbacks in the lead this year so it, it does kind of to your point connor it's like sure it's a big risk but if you do wait out and get rogers then that really i think takes you to like the upper echelon of the AFC, right? Like maybe not right away. They still got to prove it on the field, compete with a, you know, Cincinnati and a Kansas City. But I think with Rodgers still being one of the better QBs in the game, like it is a a um, a risk that is worth taking. I think. Does he have a trade clause? Like, is, is can he choose where he wants to go? Or um, well, because if I'm him, I want to stay in the NFC. There's no good quarterback. I, in the I feel NFC. like maybe the relationship is at the point where it's like he can just kind of. Pitching, like he, yeah. may, he might have like a short list, and the, again, they you said it. I mean, they're like severed ties with him. Like they're pretty much done. So yeah. I think they're just willing whatever he wants to get him out of there. So we actually have some breaking news. Oh man, uh, breaking on the show. Eric Bieniemy has been hired as the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. Um, this it, it's a it's a surprising move. I, I, I guess getting out of Kansas City. Improving, he can do it elsewhere. We'll give him a better opportunity to be a head coach. I don't understand why he would have to leave Kansas City, even though it is a great you know environment over there. I mean, just yeah. won a Super Bowl as well. So, well, you just won a Super Bowl as well, and with Mahomes, you're practically handed you know the keys to a Ferrari with that offense. This is just going to be a really really interesting move to me, and I, I'm curious what some of your initial thoughts on this are. Yeah, I mean, it's a wildly different organization. I mean, you have, like you just talked about, like a Ferrari. You have Andy Reid there as well, Travis Kelsey. I mean, you're walking into, like, a beat-up Prius right now. Like, we don't even know who the quarterback is. It's it's like the Prius and other guys. Yeah, li like, literally. <laughs> like Ferrell's Prius. It, it, it's either going to be Sam Howell or Heineke. I don't know what the plan is with Wentz. There's a lot of situations there, but if, if he brings them to a playoff uh, run— Next thing you know, I mean, he'll be a, a head coach somewhere. I, this is yeah. his kind of prove-it section over this next year or so. So do, do you think that they should stay pat with Sam Howell, you know, sh just showing you what he could do in that last game of the season? Or are you still trying to be active on the quarterback market to bring someone in, even when you have Carson Wentz still, which is a huge, you know, hit financially? I think it's weird because I think that the commanders not can compete, but, like, they can make the playoffs. They were just out of it with Taylor Heineke. You got to think – why aren't they going for Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson and, and Derek Carr, guys that can kind of get you over that hump? 
maybe Sam Howell is the next kind of Patrick Mahomes, but I, I don't think so. So you got to think that maybe this is like you're starting over in Biennemi. If he pushes you kind of far over that, mm-hmm. then maybe Eric Biennemi is the next Andy Reid coming out of that tree, but right. this is his kind of big year to prove that. Yeah, and one, one second, Aaron. Um, just talking about Sam Howell, he, he, he had a huge draft prospect before um, the year that he was drafted. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember if he came out his junior or senior year. E- either way, the year before, he, he was projected to be one of the top quarterbacks drafted. And then UNC kind of had like a down year because they lost two of their best backs, and he kind of fell a little bit. And then he got the shot at the end of the, end of the season, and he showed you a lot of what you liked that he did in, in uh, college. Mm-hmm. Um, but like to me, it's just not a big enough sample size to say that's going to be our quarterback starting week one of next season. I, I think maybe with the higher of the enemy, and I don't know what the plan is, like the tentative plan for him is. Maybe it is to be the head coach of. Washington in the next couple seasons if Ron Rivera is going to be out the door soon maybe he'll retire we don't know um but I think keeping Howell would almost maybe be the best option for Biennemi because the thing with him in Kansas City was he designed the offense but he wasn't calling the plays Andy Reid was calling the shots but it was Biennemi's offense so that's why he's been so like highly touted as a coordinator but he's been up for head coaching positions for years for yeah like two or three cycles he's already gone through and he hasn't been hired so I think maybe he sees this as like his true shot to develop a kid like Howell who has good tools has a good arm um and again if he steps into the head coaching role and he is like you said Ned able to kind of right the ship in Washington and get Howell to be like almost even if he's close to a franchise guy or he's good enough to lead them to the playoffs I think then he could start, you know, even if he is the head coach of Washington, he could start looking at other opportunities. Um, I mean, if, if they make it to the playoffs and they even win a playoff, game, right. which they yeah. haven't since 2005. He might stay there. I mean, it could be a win-win NFC for him. is good, too. So if you're winning a couple right. of those games, yeah. then. Yeah. And, I mean, if they make the playoffs, win a playoff game, the enemy better be the head coach of somewhere <laughs> next season. Because um, the thing that confused me most about this was the thing that confused me the most about him not getting hired was I almost thought that he didn't really want to get hired. Yeah, he had, I, I thought he, he didn't want to leave. You know what I mean? You have yeah. an awesome setup there with Andy Reid. He probably lets you do some of the same like leadership stuff too. And so it was just surprising to see him move from, from that situation. Maybe he feels like he just doesn't have anything left to prove with the Chiefs. Yeah. Right? He's already, again, engineered the offense that's won a couple of Super Bowls. He's got Mahomes there. I mean, it's probably a fun time just sitting back and watching Mahomes like, you know, yeah. dominate of of what you put together, but maybe he's just ready for another challenge. And well, I think Washington is certainly a challenge. You again. think that the Chiefs sure. kind of take a hit? Because if you well, said that they, he runs the offense, I mean, yeah, he's at a disadvantage. I, I think that was kind of the conversation too when um, Mike Kafka went to be the Giants' OC. It was like, you know, his quarterback coach leaves, Mahomes' his quarterback coach leaves. Is he maybe gonna take a, a minor step back, or are the Chiefs not gonna really look the same? Um, obviously, OC is is different than a QB coach, um, because Bianami has such a like a stronghold on what the offense is. He's borderline running the offense. So. I think with Andy Reid there, they'll still be okay. I like don't know. they might drop from thirteen to twelve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, then maybe they'll put up thirty five points this year. And you I mean, it's I mean? it's it's initially being reported that a possible candidate to replace him is Matt Nagy, who's on the staff right now as as wow. I believe the quarterbacks coach or assistant coach in some. Uh, some variation, but yeah, it's expected that Matt Nagy will probably step into that role. Isn't it crazy how all these failed head coaches, like, they always get hired back to staffs, and yeah. like, that's usually how, like, what they're good at. They're good at a certain thing, they just can't do the head coaching That's the definition job. of your offensive coordinator right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hattie, yeah, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah. You're, yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, you saw Pat Shermer, and now, you know, Ben McAdoo, too, is, is having some success with Carolina last season. Um, it, it, it's it's a curious thing where it just there's a clear distinction between being a head coach and ble- being a uh, coordinator or an assistant coach, and it definitely shows when those guys get into those head coaching situations just by kind of stumbling into it. Um, but with you know with you know Washington definitely improving their uh, coaching staff this off season with, with the hiring of Bianami. This is a, a very very you know, long look aways, but I, I miss football. 
So I, you know, I just want to keep on talking about it. It's been five days. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know what I mean? Well, well, what do we think the prospects of this hiring is going to have on Washington? And do we think it's going to take them to another level on offense that could, you know, potentially get them their first playoff win since 2005? I think it's tough because I, I don't know. Heineke has flashes every once in a while. And you look at guys like Sam Howell. Sam Howell, he comes from a very good UNC team, at least offensively. Defensively, he was always struggled. But that ACC conference is weak to begin with. I mean, you see right now a guy like Drake May is just absolutely thrashing the ACC right now. So I, I don't know if Sam Howell can keep that potential up. He's got good offensive players around him. Terry McLaurin. Uh, Brian Robinson as well. The O-line's not bad. It's just that defense is very good. So that defense can kind of get you into the playoffs. Bienemy's literally, his job just has to do just be a little better than last year. Because if you can just get to the playoffs, Ron Rivera's a good enough coach where he can kind of guide this team. But right now, it's all on the shoulders of Sam Howell, who is someone we haven't seen. Aaron, you got any parting thoughts before we go to break? Yeah, I mean, obviously we, we know that Washington – over the past few years, has been a, a good defensive team with Ron Rivera there. Um, I, I think I agree with Ned. I think if he can just move the needle a little bit and get them to be an average offensive team uh, through the air specifically, because last year, they again, the constant rotation at quarterback with Wentz and then Heineke, you, you didn't know who was going to start week to week. Obviously, Wentz was hurt for a little bit, um, but there was a point where it was just back and forth, so if he can just kind of smooth them things out and maybe get them in a direction offensively, figure out the quarterback stuff, um, you know, and they they did win eight games last year, you know, so maybe they weren't they weren't as bad as a lot of people think. Um, so yeah, I, I think that definitely could have uh, its prospects for him down the road, either as the head coach there or somewhere else. All right, so that's going to take us to our first break here on Offsides, the Friday edition, and when we come back from break. We're going to be talking about a league that is actually in season right now and is playing. It's the NBA. Chris Paul passed a certain someone on a list last night. We're going to talk about that. We talk a little KD Kyrie still and a little preview too to the NBA All-Star game that's taking place this weekend. But before I send you guys off, I have to read you this WGLS campus calendar. Rowan University's Department of Public Safety would like to remind everyone in the Rowan community about the importance of pedestrian safety, especially while crossing Route 322. Motors who fail to stop for pedestrians face serious fines. Please follow state law and stop for pedestrians. For questions about public safety, call 856-256-4922. This campus calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for campus news and information. Stick around because we've got NBA talk coming up after these messages. of a TV show or movie is the soundtrack, then the Sunday matinee is a dream come true. I'm Ellen Hardy, and I'll be there for you every Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. to bring you the best of television and movie soundtracks together into three hours of pure awesomeness. So don't you forget about me and the Sunday matinee every Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. only here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. This is Connor Brown with you on today's edition of Offsides, our professional sports talk show here at the Rowan Radio Sports Department, joined here with Aaron Hook and Nick Carlson of said Radio Sports Department. And we talked a little NFL to start off the show, and we're going to transition 
into the NBA as the All-Star Game is coming up this weekend. Uh, it's a crime against humanity that Jalen Brunson somehow did not finagle his way know, onto right? the onto it's the All Star team with all the replacements. With Jalen Brown out, how is it not Brunson? It's I don't understand. The Knicks are in the position that they're at, which is going to be the fifth seed probably in the East when it's all said and done. A lot of it has to be attributed to Jalen Brunson. <laughs> I, I found I, this is a crazy stat today too, and you won't be able to tell me who who this is. I, I, I bet I'll, I'll tell you who's on the Knicks. This is open to everyone. Who has the most attempted threes in the Eastern Conference? The guys on the Knicks, you said? Julius yeah. Randle, I would say. It's Julius Randle. Julius Ra- the only player who's shot more threes this season than him is Damian Lillard. Yeah, uh, he's in the three-point contest for a reason, I guess. <laughs> I, you know, I guess. And that, that that is another like peculiar like picked for a three-point yeah. contest. I actually know? think he'll do pretty well. I think yeah. Randle... I don't know. The thing about him is, like, they were saying maybe he shoots contested threes better, which is, like, a weird thing about him, too. But I, he's he's a dang good shooter. I mean, a couple of years ago when they were the fourth seed in the East and they won, uh, what was it, 41 games out of the mm-hmm. 72, he had his all-NBA season. He was legitimately one of the best shooters in the league regardless of position. He shot 41%. Um, so he's a really good shooter, but it is it is a little weird to have him in there. He's not really traditionally a guy you think of. Yeah, like just like big body. You think of him right. kind of using his you know way to bully into uh, the paint, not mm-hmm. really shooting three-pointers, but that's beside the point. Uh, Chris Paul last night passed Michael Jordan on the all-time steal list, and you know the Suns have obviously been in the news a lot recently, uh, making headlines, training for KD, who we're also going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, but, you know, with their current point guard right now, Chris Paul, you know, uh, there's been a lot of, I'd say, hater, I guess, message. I don't really like that word that I just used, but there's been a lot, not even negative. Um, I feel like people view Chris Paul more negative than they should. I think he gets a lot of hate or hate, a bad rap, you. I think, a bad rap. Thank, thank you for saving me here, Nick Carlson. <laughs> I, I, I'm just curious what your feelings are, are on Chris Paul. Yeah, I think that the bad rap that he always gets is that he hasn't won a championship. So you can kind of talk about that he's kind of choked at big moments, but he's still one of the best players. I, I don't know. I don't know about one of the best, but he's still a very good uh, player. He's probably, I don't know, could you make the argument he's going to go to the Hall of Fame? I'd, I'd uh, say. He's, I think he's definitely oh, yeah, a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, think he's a, a t- I think he's a top 10 point guard of all time. Yeah, I would say so. I was just trying to think. I was like, all right, let me go throw the point guards. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a good player assist-wise, phenomenal. Phoenix has – they're going to have a situation there because you got Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul. You have a big three now there yourself and Aiton. So he's going to kind of add to those accolades, and he's going to try to get that first championship ring this upcoming summer. So, Aaron, I'm looking at a top 10 point guard list of all time. I'm just using this as their reference for, okay. for a quick one. Who is it's it? Not naturally, naturally my – Personal one. What website? So is it? this is hoopshype.com. Okay. Uh, Twenty greatest point guards ever. They have Magic Johnson one, Oscar Robinson two, Steph Curry three, Jerry West four, Isaiah Thomas five, and then Chris Paul at six. That's S- fair. So I yeah. think I honestly have more of a problem with Steph at three. I think yeah. I think he should be number one, but that's that's irrelevant. yeah. So but here here's what I want to ask you though: if the Suns do what they're supposed to do this year after that you know, crazy KD trade at the uh-huh. deadline, go and win a championship. Where does that move him up? And who does who, that move Who's five and four? Four is Jerry West, the logo. And then we have Isaiah Thomas at five. I, I would say Chris Paul is a – I would say – I don't know. Again, didn't see Jerry West play. <laughs> but I, Chris Paul, I would say, is a more talented player than Jerry West. It's no disrespect to Jerry West. He was one of the first superstars in, in the NBA. Um, he, he was also known for losing in the finals. Yeah, what was he like one in nine in finals or something like that? I so mean, yeah, that he would, one must have felt great. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it did. And for Chris Paul too. I mean, he's never been to a final, but again, all the big moments. You think about it with the Clippers, they blew a bunch of leads in the playoffs um, last year in Game Seven against Dallas, where Chris Paul disappeared. He had like four points. Yeah, um, Luta just torched them. I mean, the Suns looked terrible in that Game Seven. Uh, and then with Houston, they had a chance to go to the finals, but Chris Paul couldn't play Game 7 against Golden State, and the Rockets ch- uh, choked that series too. So I, I understand like where the, the negative connotation comes from with Chris Paul because 
again, he hasn't been really a winner. He's done a lot of winning in the regular season, not really the the postseason. Um, but I would agree with Nick. He, Chris Paul is a fantastic player. He's one of the best players of this past generation. Uh, certainly a Hall of Famer. So I think Noreen could definitely put him into that conversation as like, you know, the top of the top with a Magic, with a Steph, with like an Oscar Robertson, um, just because of the the talent that he has and the number. Again, we said it. The assist numbers for his career are pretty crazy. I mean, he had nineteen two days ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I think he's had a few seasons. I'm pretty sure where he's averaged double digit assists, like more yeah, I mean, more than ten, like eleven, twelve, all, all time. time. So, wow, yeah. I didn't even know he was that high. How far so. is he back on one and two? Can well, you see sto- that? no one, no one's catching Stockton. Oh yeah, he, well, like, he, he was averaging like forty a game. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, an- another point guard from this list who currently is, I I believe bought out by the Jazz or he's still with the Jazz, but he's allowed to talk oh, with other teams. Westbrook? Russell Westbrook coming in at twelve. Don't want to talk. That's a little disrespectful. I, I don't want to talk about even his placing on the list more than. Earlier today, it was reported that he met with Clippers star Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They were talking some stuff out, so we might be seeing Russell Westbrook yeah. back in the Staples Center. I, I, I think they changed it to Crypto's <laughs> Crypto.com. But, but Crypto's a scam, so I still call it Staples Center. <laughs> and so wow. getting political. Well, no, it's not even political, <laughs> I'm man. Kidding. I'm kidding. Why are you trying to take me? Why are you trying to cancel me, man? Look at this guy. Yeah. God, they were they trying to get you know. Like Westbrook's a California guy. I think it would be a good fit, honestly. I mean, they tried the John Wall thing. He but just isn't it kind of a repeat of a John Wall? Thing I, John Wall just can't stay healthy. I mean, at least Westbrook, you know, he's going to be on the floor, and I think the difference is, you know, in, in L.A., like Westbrook was kind of moved to the bench unit, so like he was kind of the guy out there when LeBron needed the breather and AD wasn't out there. Now, if you pair him up with PG and and Kawhi, it's like Westbrook's probably not going to be asked to take all that many shots. He can get more downhill, go to the rim, do his thing, dish the ball out. I think it would be a pretty good fit if he were to go to L.A. So, Well, he sticks in L.A., but I think at the same time when you got LeBron and Anthony Davis there, it's the same dynamic with Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard. So you still have those two guys that are ahead of you. You're not really asked to do a whole lot. Just be that sixth six man who kind of comes off the bench. If anyone's tired, come in and kind of be that little, I, I would say, lightning bolt that comes off, get a couple points, get a couple assists, get a, a couple rebounds, and you can make a push for a potential championship run. I don't know if the Clippers can get there in that stacked West, but yeah. he could be a piece that could help he's, out. He's really weird, too, because he had a stretch this year where he was actually balling off the bench. He was putting up, like, 18 points, um, shooting efficiently. But, like, he'll have some nights where he just lets t- – like, he can't do, like, routine things. Like, he just can't make, like, an outlet pass. Like yeah, I, I think it, sometimes, too, it, it's kind of Russ's way or, or no one else's way. Right, I, yeah. I think that's that was kind of the issue with, with the Lakers at the end, some of the, the moping – and I, I get to a lot of the pressure that he was facing there, constant ridicule, and also when LeBron's your teammate and kind of actively shopping you and also being open to the media about how disappointed he was that you weren't traded in a trade for Kyrie. Um, I, it would sting me a little bit too, and I'd probably check out as well. But that's also been kind of his, his whole case, his whole NBA career, I feel like, at certain points where, where it's gone wrong. So I, I'm just kind of curious how he would mesh you know, with two all-stars, because we just saw it happen in with, with the other team that plays in the Staples Center, the Lakers. Does the Russell Westbrook, let's say he goes to the Clippers, does it even, like, increase their chances at all? I like, almost feel like it's a it's a net neutral yeah, game. Like, yeah, like, kind of. Just because I, mean, I, I feel like it's just like with the Lakers. Like, you, you saw there wasn't much of, a, of an increase. He's going to the same situation. And Russell Westbrook, I, you, he's definitely out of his yeah. prime, so. I, the, one, the one thing I will say is that, obviously, Paul George and Kawhi, like, although Paul George does have the ball in his hands a lot, like, he basically is their point guard, um, and then we know Kawhi, you know, he's going to get a lot of touches, too. They're not on the level of, of a LeBron, where LeBron yeah. is super ball dominant. He that, can't that really true. play off yeah. ball. PG and Kawhi can do that, but then again, that puts the problem of you're going to put Westbrook, you know, the ball in his hands a lot, which can, you know, lead to... Very, very mixed results. So I think if he buys more into the idea of how he was playing when he was the sixth man for the Lakers, I think the further he goes in that direction and kind of gives up some of his his uh, you know former self a little bit, which I, is also I don't know if that's possible or not. You know, with with anyone, but um, if, if he does that, I feel like it could be a net positive for the Clippers 
you know, for the reason that you just said too, that Kawhi and Paul can get their own thing going, you know, off the ball, don't necessarily need to, you know, dribble out the clock to get their shot off either. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think it's a good move for right now and we'll see how it goes. But um, there's some MLB stuff that I want to talk about because we have some rule changes that I feel like need to be addressed because uh, I was unaware of them until about a few days ago with a few of them. But before we get, you know, onto the MLB, I want to talk about the NBA dunk contest. Um, you know, we have Matt McClung, who's probably going to be the favorite participating in the event this uh, this year, especially here at the station with the affiliation to the Blue Coats. You guys, you know, both call games for them. You've seen Mac, you know, play firsthand this season. What should we expect from Mr. McClung? come this weekend well the thing about matt is and i don't know if you can go this far back connor but when he was in high school oh, yeah. i mean those ball is life mixtapes were crazy I, like best. this six foot one kid from virginia right like just some public school kid six foot one kid looks like you and me <laughs> is like he's jumping out of the gym he's doing all these crazy reverse dunks and everything so it was kind of a shock when he first came out of the scene um but he's legit. Like, that athleticism is legit. He can jump out of the gym, and he's creative with his dunks, too. He's not just going to get up there with the one-handed throw. Like, we, like there's a great picture um, from a Toads game this year where two of his teammates, I think Charlie Brown and Champagne, are looking up at him, and he's he's pulling it through between his legs, going for the yeah. reverse jam. He does get creative with it, and he said that he's going to try and pull out two dunks that he knows have never been attempted I guess in the dunk contest which is kind of crazy um he's got a lot of swagger to him too he was talking about like his story um where he had offers overseas to go play but he chose to stick it out in the G League for a lot less money because he figured it would be his best shot to get an NBA contract which he now has a two-way deal with the Sixers after he's been playing incredible down in Delaware so I think Matt is really gonna put on a show I don't think it's gonna be like a dud where it's like all the hype mm -hmm. and then he doesn't really you know, flash or anything. I think he's going to go crazy uh, on Saturday. It's going to be fun to watch. I think it's funny because I, I was doing the timeout coordinator about a week ago and Mac walked right past me and was standing right next to me. And I like, you think he's a small guy. Like I was like, <laughs> I'm small. Like this is like, he has like a solid three or four inches on me. So he, he's not the smallest guy, but at least dunk contest wise, we've seen him throw some wild stuff in, in practices as well as before the game. I'm looking at the betting odds right now. He's the second favorite right now at Mac. So it goes Kenyon Martin, Mac McClung, Jericho Sims, and then Trey Murphy. Okay. So and it's all pretty tight between them. So Mac's gonna be the hometown favorite for us. I hope he comes out in a blue coach jersey. I don't think he will. He's probably gonna go Sixers after never playing a game with them. But uh, I, I think it'd be interesting to see Mac win, not only for kind of the G League recognition, but just for the blue coach in general. Yeah. That would be pretty cool, and uh, I'm definitely rooting for McClung. Those high school myths. Oh. Those, talk to that. Those high school mixtapes were, were absolutely <laughs> <laughs> insane. Kind of on on the level with some of the you know the early John Wall mixtapes, yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. He still or, makes or them the right Seventh now. Woods. Yeah, no, the, I mean the myth, the legend. Yeah, Seventh. Oh my God, those yeah. were crazy. Yeah. But yeah, like I remember, every, like a lot of people, and Mac was getting recruited by some local schools and like Rutgers, Syracuse. So even though he's from Virginia, he kind of feels like a local guy. He's playing mm. for Philly now. So it is, it is fun to root for him, for sure. All right, I want to move on to the MLB because there's been some rule changes that I was not made aware of until recently, and some of them I have an issue with. Some of them I actually like. Um, just going to list them off real quick. We're starting off with the shift. There's a new pitch clock that is being implemented this year. Uh, there's a new rule to the pickoffs. Uh, bigger bases, this is the one that really just kind of ticked me off because I, I don't understand the necessity for it. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more in a second. And then uh, position players pitching. And uh, yeah, so th there's definitely some rules that obviously go into each one. Um, but I, I want, and, and, you know, for the sake of time, I just wanted to see what which ones you guys wanted to talk about so we can more, go more in depth on, uh, you know, dissecting these new rules. I knew about the pitch clock and the uh, position players, but what's the one with the bases? They're making the bases bigger? Yes, so they have made the bases bigger. Uh, it was increased from 15 inches to 18. 
Uh, it should reduce injuries around them while increasing stolen base attempts. So I guess what they're trying to do is mitigate injury while also promoting teams playing to steal more to steal more yeah i think that's more small ball i think that's in line with what they want is like with the pitch clock that's kind of been the biggest concern is like oh, the games are too long they're not trying to really shorten the game they're trying to get more action yeah. in mm-hmm. those pockets where it's like it does shorten it though normally yeah exactly yeah. and with the pickoff rule too um which honestly i get that that will help a lot um with speeding the game up I don't think you should limit the amount of times a guy can throw over to a base. I don't know. That's it. I feel like that just kind of takes away with the strategy of the game, especially for a pitcher. Especially with the bigger base now. Too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it, you make it even harder on them. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, they're, all all this is is just trying to get more action to keep like the younger fans engaged. But I, either way, I'd still watch. But I I get what they're going for. Yeah. So the the new pickoff rule is after your third step off. Uh, the pitcher will be charged with a balk. So essentially, if if there's two step offs, uh, uh, you know, a guy who's going to steal is, is going to steal right there. Right. So it, that's going to be interesting to see how that. And he's got a bigger base to do it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. so I, I I'm kind of curious how some of the new rules, um, well, not rules, I should say, new strategies teams are going to build around some of these new rules. And um, how it's going to affect some of the players. Because I definitely think the pitch clock, not even necess- necessarily for the pitchers, is going to be an issue. I think it's going to be really hard for the hitters. Because think about all the stuff that they have, that they do when they right. get into a box. All their superstition stuff. And in the minors. Know, gloves, right, yeah. tar, whatever. Right. I mean, in the minors, it was like if you didn't get back in the box before the clock, you, you get charged with a strike. Um, in some lower leagues, it was like if you don't do it in time, you're just – they just call you out. So, I think you couldn't do that in the MLB, though. No, I, th- I think it'll be a charge strike, though, if you don't get back in the box yeah. in time. So, that's that's kind of crazy to me. Um, so, yeah. So. I mean, you're, you're trying to speed it up. Like you said, get more action. I think it's the same thing with the, uh, the extra runner rule uh, in the 10th yeah. inning because then at least you put someone there. You get a base hit, at least something's going on. Someone's right. getting third, at right. least there's action taking place. So And that's permanent now for the foreseeable future, in the regular season at least, so. Yeah, well, yeah, me and you talked about that. I'd mm-hmm. rather it be a regular season thing and then postseason just get rid of it completely. Yeah. Because I'd rather have it to where, like, everything matters in the postseason. Right. Uh, we were talking about it. If you have, like, Albert Pujols on second <laughs> and then, like, Julio Rodriguez on second for the other team, yeah. like, that's Julio Rodriguez is getting home every time. So. Right. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with your assessment on that, having it only during the regular season because I would not be able to do with that in the postseason. I mean, just imagine, imagine being the first team uh, – fan of the first team that loses on that rule in the postseason that would be absolutely just brutal it's almost like the overtime rules in the nfl right when josh allen oh, lost, lost that game last year because yeah. mahomes got the ball first it's like you know at least in baseball you have a chance to respond but exactly still yeah. i mean it's like i'd be mad too if i just lost a world series game just a ghost runners on second base you know connor so. are you a mets fan oh yeah what's your thoughts on kodai senga Oh, this guy's a Sanga stand, man. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, I, I, well, it sounds like you want to tell me about him. So I just – we, we got into an argument last offside. I think Kodai Sanga is going to – I think his ERA is going to be under 3-5, and everyone called me crazy. Well, no, we called you crazy because you said he would have three no-hitters by, what, the All-Star break or something <laughs> I, like I that? I don't think that's too crazy. <laughs> but. I mean, you know, anything is possible, Nick, and I, I love the prospects of that. Um, you know – I you know you never know with the with the these guys that you bring in. Um, I'm looking forward to it though. I I, I want to know what that ghost pitch is. Yeah, the the ghost ball. It's, yeah. Apparently, it's like impossible to hit, but like it's never been seen in America before. So I don't know. Is it because it's a ghost? Is that why it's never been seen? I just, I, it just moves like yeah. weird. It moves. No, like, does does like, it like disappear in front of like? The batter, I guess. You remember, right like, as it gets there. Or? Remember that Mario game where, like, you you throw it and the ball just disappears. Yeah, it's like one of those. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh man. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to him, and hopefully, he can benefit, you know, from from these new rules, um, as as well. Um, just kind of looking over at things. We have about, you know, another eight minutes till break, so I have another story that we should go into concerning a MLB franchise, and that's the Chicago White Sox new uh, pitcher that they have in spring training in Clevenger, who currently has a um, some domestic violence allegations, you know, alleged against him right now. 
And, uh, you know, a little bit more serious of a subject here on offsides. Uh, I just kind of wanted to, you know, bring it up, get some of your thoughts on it as it's something that we've seen, obviously, in sports. It's not not the first time where, you know, players have played through, you know, this domestic disputes, allegations. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know why he, he's kind of allowed to be in a uh, MLB dugout right now, you know, as, as they're in spring training. Um, I just wanted, you know, to open up the floor to see what you guys thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree 100% with you. Um, for baseball, it, it's kind of just been something that I, I don't want to say, like, they sweep it under the rug or anything, but it's like there's almost like a, a tolerance to it. You know what I mean? When a guy has serious allegations against him, like, you got like your oldest Chapman, right? It's like I, I, I'm – you know, for years that was the thing about him was like, this guy is still throwing major league pitches when he uh, there were serious things against him. You know what I mean? And I I don't know. I'm not too sure if he actually got charged um, or went to prison or anything. It's escaping my mind. But if that was the case, then that's yeah a bit ridiculous. I don't think he was charged, but they yeah. brought out all this stuff against right. Him, so. Yeah. So I mean, we've seen it in the past with a bunch of other guys too. Um, it's gonna be really interesting how. Uh, the situation is handled, and for Clevenger, um, it's it's been a, a rocky ride for him the last few years. Got traded from Cleveland to the Padres, had a great start there, uh, and then he misses all of 2021 with uh, Tommy John, and then last year he didn't really have a great year for San Diego, so this was kind of coming into the year. It was like a prove-it year for him. He signs a one-year deal with the White Sox, so he was looking to get that big contract, but this is Obviously, you're going to play everything on halt for him right now, at least. How old is he? Do we know? Uh, he is 32. So, I thought he was a little younger than yeah, that, Yeah, I, I thought honest. he was like 29. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, he's been in the lead since 2016, so. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know how, when you can have, like, this serious of allegations against you, you're still allowed to be at spring training. Because it, if these weren't serious allegations, then it wouldn't be making these type of headlines and, I also believe that this this has been going on for a little while now. Like this has been some known information, and now it's just kind of popping up now around spring training. Yeah, January twenty fourth, he was uh, MLB launched an investigation. So it's of been this year? Uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's been it's been close to a month. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, allegations it says include physical, verbal, and emotional emotional abuse toward the mother of Clevenger's ten month old daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, is that his wife? Is that his girlfriend? No, nah, it's it's just some person. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it just says the mother of his daughter, so I, I guess they're not really in any sort of relationship. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. This is going to be a, a situation where it it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out because this might set a precedent if they want to go a different direction, baseball, and kind of change the narrative around these guys being able to participate even with allegations under their belt. Then I think this might be their chance if if everything does turn out to be true, obviously. So yeah. So the woman's name is Olivia uh, Feinstead. She's a 24 year old mother, uh, you know, mother of one of Clevenger's children, and she talked to this. Uh, she talked to the Athletic about this. So um, it's you know it's it's not great. I tell I tell you that much. And it, it's it sucks that we're in this situation now where we're just talking about it now with the start of the season about to start and you know spring training is supposed to be about you know happy headlines you know new beginnings right not stuff coming back uh you know from the past and yeah it's just it's unfortunate because we're, we're getting to that time of year you know now uh where baseball starting it said it says he is going to be available to pitch until the league completes its investigation which i mean you know God knows when that will be. It could be another month. It, you know, we could be a few weeks into the season, and this guy is taking the hill. It could be more. It could be months. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, it, it, you don't know the whole process of this, getting everybody's account, um, and then obviously if there's a court trial or whatever, um, this to be this to be this to be a a lawn. Did they ban him? Like, did they remove him without pay, like Bauer, or is it, um, or is it they're gonna let it play, play out? No, or? they're gonna. They, they said he can pitch until they complete That's the investigation. Better. So, yeah. Apparently, uh, him and Bauer 
were also pretty good friends oh. a couple of years ago too. So yeah, I, that 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 guy yeah. is a whole different yeah, story. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's about all I wanted to talk about that subject. Um, you know, we we've been having a lot more fun here today on, on Friday, and we're gonna talk about some more more fun stuff coming up after the breaks. We have our top five all star moments of all time. I'm cutting break a little short right now, so we have some more time to go into our top five because there's definitely some stellar moments from NBA past, NBA present, and can't wait to talk about it here, right on Roan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. But before I send it back, before I send it back to break, actually, I'm sending it to break right now. quarters and head on over to the 80s arcade saturday mornings from 10 till noon on rowan radio come celebrate the decade of decadence with me lee kershner enjoy awesomely rad artists and totally tubular it's a blast from the neon colored past it's the 80s arcade every saturday morning starting at 10 right here on rowan radio 89.7 wgls fm and also online at rowanradio.com my name is Teresa Barber. I was in the United States Navy and I served overseas in the Middle East and Africa. Early on in my career, I had a commander that taught our suicide prevention training and the very next day he took his own life. 90% of suicide attempts involving a gun are fatal. My way of continuing my service is to help protect my community by being a responsible gun owner and by storing firearms safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by End Family Fire and the Ad Council. Wake up with Rowan Radio for the Early Bird Special every weekday starting at 7 a.m. Our host will help you get through the morning with entertaining stories and special giveaways, plus news, traffic, and weather. And of course, the music that matters. Start your day off right with the Early Bird Special every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, also online at RowanRadio.com. Did the Early Bird Special this morning i think you would hear it in my voice as we are wrapping up this friday edition of offsides our sports professional podcast here at the roan radio station i'm connor brown your friday host joined here with aaron hook and nick carlson of the sports department here at the radio station and we're getting into our last part of the show it's gonna be our top five as we're going to be examining some of the top five best NBA All-Star moments of all time as we are heading into the All-Star weekend taking place in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, before we get into the top five, just real quickly, who do you think is going to win NBA All-Star MVP this weekend? Uh, I, I wasn't ready Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. How about that for an answer? Amen. <laughs> he probably won't play enough, but maybe. We'll see. I mean, Giannis isn't playing, right? Giannis isn't. He, no, he's, he's, a, he's a captain, isn't he? I thought he hurt his hand or something. Uh, uh, oh, he did get hurt. He hurt his Like, wrist. last night, right? Yeah, uh, yeah that's actually cra- that's I mean, crazy. I, if that's severe, they got to find another captain. Then. I would just say, like, LeBron. Like, that's, like, the easy answer. I th- well, does, like, it, does it have to be an Eastern Conference guy? Or does it not have to be? I don't know. They've done LeBron and KD in the past, but that was when he was in Brooklyn. Well, did, did they, they, ever... they still do the draft, too. Yeah, they're gonna do the draft right on the floor. But I'm saying for a well, captain, like to oh, pick, I don't know. Did you yeah. hear what they're doing with the draft? Yeah, so they're doing the reserves first. Yeah, yes. so that no one Dude. gets picked last. I don't know, man. If I got picked last, I'm like, culture, Dude. man. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm like, this country. Dude, I'm in the NBA, dude. Like, like I, yeah, I got picked last, but everyone sitting in the stands, I would, yeah. I would blank them. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's like I'd be, I'd beat them a hundred nothing. You know what I mean? It's like I don't care. Yeah. All right, I'd have to go with Kyrie. I just think Kyrie. in situations yeah. like this, him with the new team too might be in a over you know a jovial mood, mm-hmm. and uh, he's trying to prove something or yeah you know ha- having fun out there, doing sage or you know wh- whatever he does. Uh, Kyrie, that is a guy. 
Uh, but we have to move on to the top five moments of NBA All-Star moments ever. As we have about 10 minutes left here. Do you have a preference on who starts here? Do you, do you have some run off the tip of your tongue? I'll just, yeah, I'll just go first. I'm going based off of memory. Uh, not like top five in, in order. Number one would easily, if there were to be a number one, that dunk contest between Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, you could probably put any Aaron Gordon dunk contest in there, and <laughs> I'd, I'd probably be like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. Um, the one that came to my mind first, actually before that, was didn't like it was like Tim Hardaway and someone. Yeah, Dion Waiters. Like, yeah, it was like a minute straight of just three, yeah, three, three, three. That was three. the Rising Stars challenge. It was I, that was probably another cool moment. Uh, Vince Carter's dunk, you see it all the time. Uh, that's probably one as well. Blake Griffin's dunk over the Kia, uh, the same thing. Kyle Korver's three point shootout is another one that comes to my mind. Uh, but I think an, the big one for me is. The first time that they did the target score mm, in yeah. the All Star game, that was actually the first time where I was like, "This feels like it's meaningful. Like it actually means something." I think Kyle Lowry got a foul, and I think Giannis hit free throws to win it or something like mm-hmm. that. That was probably the best All Star game I've seen. But those moments stick out to me the most. With probably like I, I'd say Levine and Gordon probably coming in at number one. Yeah, let, let's talk about that target score a little bit more because I, I feel like we're all gonna pick it because that's yeah. I think it's drastically improved the All Star game. Uh, just from a competitive wise, at the end of the game, it switches, and you you saw it happen in like the third and fourth quarter when when they saw that they were down. Uh, I forget which which team was down, uh, which which side was down, I should say. Uh, but they they were actually playing defense in the All Star game, and it, it was really fun to see. I'm kind of curious, it, not the exact same thing, but could this be implemented into you know other All Star games for different sports to make it more? fun to watch because I feel like that's kind of an issue a lot of other sports have. I think NFL is a lost cause. I think it's too violent and aggressive to really make a change. I think the MLB All-Star Game is awesome. I love watching the MLB All-Star Game because it's like they still actually try. Like it's everybody actually really gives it their all. I think the fact that they removed the whole whichever conference wins gets the home field advantage in the World Series. I think removing that kind of messed everything up. But yeah, you could do a target score for the MLB or the NFL. The problem with the NFL is... It's just you're never going to get anywhere with it. And then yeah. for the most part, I, I kind of forgot that NHL All-Star game was on. <laughs> so I think that the NBA is doing a good job with it, and it's interesting. But like I'm really only going to watch the dunk contest for Mac McClung and the three-point contest. I didn't witness any of the NHL All-Star game moments except for the one really cringy uh, Happy Gilmore remake that they tried to do. Did you see that with, with no. one of the Bruins uh, players? Yeah, they, they tried to recreate like a, a scene from Happy Gilmore, and it just it did not land. It, it, it was it was it, it was terrible. I didn't even frankly. see it, so it must have got like no national attention. People must have been like, "Yeah, no." Nah. Oh, uh, they they thought fans were gonna go wild for it. They, yeah. I think they even had like some celebrity guests too that were like in the movie, like come onto the ice and like try to hype it up. And the, the even the fans there were like, you know, what what's going on? Because because it, it concluded with. You know, Happy's thing is just tap it in, just uh-huh. tap, you know, when he's putting. <laughs> the whole thing climaxed with him putting in a puck through a regular goal. So it was like, like, yeah, obviously he's, he's going to make it. Like, what, what was the whole point of this? Where you know? was the All-Star game, if you know? Was it, was it in Canada? No, it was somewhere warm this year. Oh, uh, okay. It was it, it was contradictory. I think it was like in Tampa Bay. Or Tampa? Something. It was in Tampa Bay. Tampa? Yeah, because yeah, they were talking about like strip clubs and stuff. And right. Tampa Bay has a lot. <laughs> but um, I want to hear you the top You would know? No, I actually I don't. Okay. I, that's just what people tell me. <laughs> I, I, I'm not cool enough to be doing that stuff, unfortunately. Well, I'm too broke, I should say. Right. Yeah. Aren't we all? Um, So, okay. I mean, if we, if we want to do, I guess, the whole weekend – um, I would say the Hardaway and Waiters one makes it for me because that was really cool. Two young guys just – you're right, Nick. It was like four or five possessions in a row. They were just walking it up the floor and pulling in each other's in each other's faces and just draining it. Um, Deion Waiters uh, hit Hardaway with a crossover at one point, made him touch the, touch the earth, hit a step back three, crowd went wild. I think that's up there. Gordon and Levine – for me, is gonna make the list too. I remember watching that live, and I was like, mm-hmm. "I everyone, everyone was saying Aaron Gordon not robbed." I go back and watch it now; I, it's closer than I thought. Zach Levine was doing yeah. some crazy stuff in that dunk. Gordon contest. had that one really cool dunk, and he then had after the one, that Levine. I think. I think the one 
is where he put it under his legs yeah, and threw it in. down. I was like, I've never seen anybody do that. He took no. it from the mascot's yeah. hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. yeah, I know. They ended up like spinning around on like the hoverboard or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, th- that was one of those contests where it was really both won. I know. You know yeah. They just put on such an absolute show of, of dunks. That if they gave him both the trophy, I, I don't think I could be upset. Um, at three... I think the Elam ending, uh, the first year they did it, and I, I think that was Kobe's last All-Star game, or it was one of his last or something like that. Or maybe maybe I'm mixing up the timeline, but the Elam ending was really cool. Like you said, I think it actually like brought some value to the fourth quarter of the All-Star game because in the past it was just, wow, m- more no defense. Like Maybe they tightened up the defense a little bit in the fourth if it was a, if it was a close game, but this certainly gave it like, an actual intense feel watching the best players on in the world, all in the same four at the same time, actually playing like competitively, that was really cool to see. Um, Vince Carter, his dunk contest, he had like three dunks in a row where it was just like ridiculous, and he was by far, I think, the best dunker on the planet at that point. Um, maybe the best dunker ever that we've ever seen. Um, and then, uh, didn't Steph drop like fifty in the All Star game? Something like that a couple of years ago. I'm pretty sure 40 or 50. Steph had like a stretch in a game where he hit like three half court shots. Um, I'll go with that just because, um, again, doing that in an all star game, it's supposed to be fun, but it's like that's just ridiculous. Pulling from like the logo three times in a row. That's Steph's MO, obviously, but uh, it was kind of cool. And then guys have copied it. Like uh, Damian Lillard uh, last year was just pulling from wherever 40 feet away. So I'll go with that. Aaron, if you were in the All Star, if you were in the NBA and you made the All Star team like every year, yeah, would you go? Yeah, I think so. I think I, w- I wouldn't go to a single one. <laughs> Why? I'd be like Luca. I'd go to Mexico or something. <laughs> like I-, I would never go. No, nah, I would do it. I would do it. I I don't know. Maybe I'd get tired of it. Yeah, eventually. like LeBron going to twenty four straight. Like I, I like. Well, I, I feel like I don't know. Just like the uh, for you, like. Connor, does winning an all-star game MVP have anything to do with legacy? For me, it doesn't really move the needle, right? No, it, I think it's more of a cool moment. Yeah. And like, you'll just find that each superstar in each generation at one point probably has one. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's just, yeah, it's like a cool memento to just look back and, and say, wow, on that night, he just right. was the best player. I thought it'd be cool to be there for like the whole weekend. You see the dunk contest up close in person and all that, but... Yeah, I think you're right. I think like after a while, you'd be like, all right, I've been in a lot after of these. How I don't have the team coming. After yeah, when how you're many young. straight? After, yeah. after how many straight? Like seven straight, eight straight? <laughs> I was going to say like two. I'd be two like, straight. Yeah, this guy's two, checked like, it out, man. Well, are you, you old in two years now, <laughs> like, if, like What's going on? If I'm like a 22-year-old, like top of the game, and I get like every year, I'm going to be like, listen, I'm going to Cabo like every year. <laughs> like I don't need to be here. So. Yeah, no, I I, I can't really disagree with with what you're saying, to be honest. Um. I mean, th- th- those are some great moments. Uh, another great moment that I thought of, um, obviously wasn't around for this, was back in 1992. Uh, Magic Johnson, his return to the NBA, uh, kind of proved to not only you know players in the league, but people in the public, uh, that he wasn't going to give them AIDS by just being around him. Uh, excuse me, HIV. There, mm-hmm. There's a difference there. Uh, just you know, you wouldn't be getting HIV by just being being around him. Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon. That, that was one of those things where I remember watching it and not really realizing, like, what I just witnessed in kind of the caliber yeah. of dunks that were... And we were, were young, yeah, too, we so it's like we had young. never seen anything like that. Yeah, you know, and, like, I, I, I still remember Blake Griffin, like, jumping over the car and thinking that was the coolest thing in the world. But, I mean, this Levine-Gordon dunk contest, it's... it's I, I don't think it's going to be topped from now on because... Like we said earlier, you, you definitely could have just split that trophy. I remember yeah. thinking after the Gordon and Levine thing, I was like, nothing's going to beat Blake Griffin jumping over a car. Like, nothing <laughs> nothing will ever beat it. That and was then, certainly unique. I th- that yeah. was, like, the most unique dunk I'm, I've maybe ever seen. Yeah. I was a little – I remember being disappointed at first. I, that was, like, my first year watching basketball. And he went over, like, the front hood. I thought he was going to jump over, like, the whole thing. Uh, you know, yeah, I was like, I was like that's a little what ridiculous. is he doing? Like, <laughs> you know, because JaVale McGee had some really good dunks in that one. Yeah. JaVale McGee might have gotten uh, screwed over a little bit. Uh, but then, yeah, I just want to end off the, sh- the show with just reiterating uh, the Elam ending. Uh, I mean, that, that was the perfect way to, you know, commemorate Kobe after the tragic passing, you know, including his daughter Gianna. 
uh, it, it was it was touching to see players you know play so hard in tribute to Kobe and uh, I think it's really br- brought a lot of juice back to the NBA all-star game which was really lacking it be- before that moment so it, it, it was a really good you know rule implementation that they made and it's uh paying dividends so uh by the way any- Steph Steph did score 50 he last did. year oh so. it was I was right I was right turns out yeah. so um yeah, I don't. I don't think. I mean, the All Star Game this year, um, it should be fun. Like, I I think again with the Elon Menden being added in, it definitely is exciting. And this year, I think with the personal connection with Mac, um, the three point contest, there's a Nick in it. There's a Nick in the Rising Stars Challenge. So, I, I mean, I'll be showing out. I'll be tuned in all weekend. And usually, like Rising Stars Challenge, like I could care less. I see all these guys play every night anyway. But this year they actually have a G League team of eight guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Terry is coaching them. So again, it should be pretty cool to see there. Three point contest. Um, I, I guess the favorite would have to, uh, Lillard's in it. I know Tatum is in it. Buddy Heald's the favorite. Buddy Heald's the favorite. Okay, yeah. that kind of made sense. Um, I would. I don't know, man. I don't think you can kind of Dame because he's just mm-hmm. when he gets scorching hot, he just doesn't miss. And then obviously the game should be a lot of fun. So, any parting thoughts, Nick? Uh, it doesn't have to be about sports, you know. If there's something <laughs> on your chest, you want to get it off. Kodai Sang is going to have 3-5 ERA and under, Jeez. and go Chiefs. Wow. <laughs> and that was this episode of Offsides for Friday, February 17th, 2023. Thanks so much for joining me today, Aaron Hook and Nick Carlson. This was Connor Brown. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. And be sure to tune into Monday's edition with Danny Ryan. And then also Wednesday's edition with Aaron Hook. And don't forget about me on Fridays as well. Thanks everyone who tuned in to Channel 2 right here on Roan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Everyone have a very good weekend. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.